Good Friday afternoon, folks. January 26th, and welcome to another day of the ever-Canadian changing weather. We have uh, now warmer weather. We have rain. We have slush. We have all kinds of stuff. A few days ago, we had all kinds of cold weather, minus 20s. And you know what? Mother Earth has shown us once again she is the commander-in-chief. She gets to call the weather she wants. And it's amazing how quickly it can change here in Ontario. So, you know what? Again, welcome to a roundtable discussion with uh, Rebecca. Hello. And Sherry. Good afternoon, everyone. And Skittles is in the room with us, one of the cats. And so you may hear Skittles. You may hear others come and go. For right now, it's three people and a cat. And here we go. We're going we're gonna to talk today as we did last Friday, and as we're going to keep going and see how this works out for us. And quite honestly, um, I think last Friday worked uh, quite well. Each of us enjoyed it. And the feedback that we got, people also enjoyed it. So this is good. So people-pleasing. Oh, my goodness. You have three people, and Skittles, to a certain degree, we are people-pleasers. What do you think? Are you a people-pleaser there, Rebecca? Yep. <laughs> and Sherry? Oh, yeah, I've got pretty good elements of people-pleasing going on. Okay, so uh, the very first thing that I want to do is this guy by the name of Mark Travers, he contributed to World Psychology with this article about people-pleasing. And his idea, which I think is a beautiful, simple way to describe what people-pleasing is, research suggests that most individuals rely heavily, and this is where it becomes too heavily, on external authorities such as parents, teachers, from our early years, and then this identity just continues to grow as we age, and then it gets into uh, relationships and friends and so on, and we want them to be happy with us, and because we want them to be happy with us, we just become people-pleasers. And I have sat and listened. People have said, you want to make this right with me? Okay, well, they're not actually asking you how you feel about it. They're only telling you what you need to do for them to feel better about it. And this is something that people do all the time, either directly, as I just said, or indirectly. And so when the people-pleasing becomes this tendency to prioritize others' desires and expectations over our own needs, right? And so our own needs are sometimes very simple, sometimes very complex, but our own needs need to be part of the equation for what we need. And when we become a people pleaser to the extreme, and I see it in therapy all the time, where people become such an extreme people pleaser that they actually start to fall apart because there is nothing in it for them. And again, I see this in relationships between parents and children. I see this in, in relationships between sibling groups. I see this between couples. I see this all the time where this concept of I have to please the other person, otherwise persecution. Management often will abuse their power. And I shouldn't say often because that's, that's a wrong characterization. Management will at times, managers will at times, use their power as a manager to manipulate the other person into doing something that they don't really want to do, but you're afraid to say no. 
because you may not get overtime, you may not get a promotion, you may not get whatever. And because you are afraid to say no, that is kind of an extreme version of being a people pleaser. And so society, though, on the flip side of that, needs a certain amount of people pleasing because without it, we couldn't actually have society because we wouldn't actually be there working together. We wouldn't actually be there pulling ideas together and doing things and collaborating and having some give and take. That give and take is normal and natural. That's not people-pleasing. That's a normal back and forth. Wear it again at the expense of our well-being and our authenticity. That's when people-pleasing becomes a problem. So I'm going to sit back here for shut my mouth here for a couple of seconds. I, I want to hear Rebecca, Sherry, either both, hopefully both. What is your take on what you know this guy Mark had to say about the expectations at the expense of our well-being and our authenticity? Well, when I read the article, I really got the feeling that we tend to follow other people's advice instead of actually recognizing who we are and what our needs are. We may listen and decide to go into a certain practice. We may become a certain occupation because somebody has told us that that is what we should do. Rather than actually looking at who we are and what gives us joy, where do we find pleasure and when we find those things, we can recognize what's right for us. But if we're listening to other people, we tend not to find that joy. And that's what I got out of it was a lot of you can't be following everybody else if you are not feeling right. You can listen to other people and find joy. Mm-hmm. And then it isn't people pleasing. You're actually working together, like mm-hmm. you said before. When there's a, when there's a level of reciprocity. Yes. But when it is one-sided, that again, is... when it's, again. I got nothing. <laughs> and folks, it's not that she has nothing. It's that, that Rebecca's like, oh, I hate following after what somebody else has had to say because she's, she's like, I don't want to be judged. And there is a beautiful, simple example of fearing not being a people pleaser. Because if she actually says something that truly is simply her, and somebody comes along and says, well, that sounded ridiculous, if it works for her, that's her saying, I'm not going to be a people pleaser. And so ironically and beautifully, in that moment when she just said, I got nothing, it was that people pleasing side of her that kicked in and said, I can't actually put that out there. Because what if it doesn't please Sherry? What if it doesn't please Rick? What if it doesn't please the audience? What if, what if? So do you have something now, or are you still saying? For me, I tend to rely on others to make decisions for me. Is that a type of people-pleasing? Because I don't want to have to think uh, this is the wrong decision. Absolutely. How often does it feel right versus wrong? I don't take the time to listen. What do you mean you don't take the time to listen? I often don't take the time to actually reflect on my... Reflect within myself to actually see or feel if it feels right. I just, I'll go with the flow. If somebody wants pineapple on the pizza, I'll go with the flow. 
And are you happy having pineapple on the pizza? I might pick it off, but will I complain? No. Okay, so think about that, folks. There's a perfect, simple example of people-pleasing that, again, that isn't a horrible thing, right? Because, again, you can pick it off. Mm -hmm. But if what you wanted on the pizza or whatever was now something that was really hard for you to get, let's say, onion, that was really, truly, you know, right in the cheese melted in, you're starting to... That would become a pain, a true pain. And so you will accept it with one ingredient should you accept it with another ingredient. And it's it's that it's that simplicity that is the the line between getting along with people and being a team player and at the same time going, however, but here's my limit. And I think on top of that, was it the pizza, the fact she was having pizza with somebody what was giving her joy? Or was it the ingredients? I think sometimes making the decision on where we're going to look for our joy is important. But it's not... See, people-pleasing isn't about joy. Okay. That's where I guess I fall apart. Right. And that's where, if you go back to this definition, the definition is that the expectations of one's own needs, my needs, your needs, Rebecca's needs, Mm -hmm. are at the expense. Mm -hmm. So what I need, right, is at the expense Right. So when going back to the pizza, if it was just the fact of pizza, my need was pizza. If your need was having pe- pineapple on the pizza, I my need may be satisfied and your need. Okay, but is that actually a need? Okay, so if you think about it, okay, is the need for food? I again, what what you guys are getting so caught up in, right, is the word needs. And it's it's the desires and expectations of our needs. Ah. It is the desire and expectation. It is not a need that we are talking about. It's about the desires. Oh. Right? And so my desire is to not have pizza. But the person suggests pizza. I go, okay. And then they say, oh, I want pineapple on it. And you go, oh, damn. I don't want the pineapple and I don't want the pizza. But you go, you know what? I don't really feel like that. My stomach is not saying pizza, but it's okay because their expectation, I'm going to give to it every time. And that would be people pleasing. That is clearly people pleasing. Right? And so so when you stop and think about people pleasing, it isn't a it is about expectation and it's about what are we giving up? Right. So this week, as a grand example, I'm sitting in drive test because I got to renew my AZ license. And so every five years, you got to write a test every, you know, halfway in between there. You got to go do a medical to keep your commercial driver's license in Ontario. And so I'm there and I'm sitting there. And as I'm walking in, this lady, this young, I'm going to say late teens, maybe 20, but likely late teens girl is is coming out. She has failed her test. And she goes over, she gets a ticket, her dad gives her his piece of plastic, she goes back up, she writes the test again, she goes in, she pays money to write the test again, and so she, this is now her second attempt for sure. And she goes in, she does the test, and while I'm sitting there, she fails it again, gets another ticket, gets the plastic, this plastic's going back and forth. 
her expectation is at his expense. And so she rewrote the test five times that I know for sure. Just up, right, up, wrote, up, right. And so, again, her expectation was you will give me the plastic every time I fail. And then when she finally did pass, he was like the cheerleader of all cheerleaders going, congratulations, sweetheart, I'm so happy for you. You did amazing. Look at that. You did it. After failing so many times, when you think about the people-pleasing side, the only person there who had an expectation was the young lady. The father was, or whoever this man was, was afraid to say, um, maybe you should go study some more instead of me paying this money every time. Maybe you should go do something else. And then when she finally, just from doing the test over and over and over, then again, he turns into cheerleader. Because again, he cannot, again, address the functional problem, which was, I heard this young lady say she continuously cannot understand what the pictures, so she was failing the sign part only of the driving test. So the driving test is divided into a few things. The people pleaser was the parent. Because the people pleaser did not want to say, perhaps you should study more, perhaps you should do something, perhaps this, and did not want to take the plastic away and say, perhaps you should study instead of me paying however much money it was for each time. So it cost me 20 bucks to write the test. And so that 20 bucks, if she did that, if that was the same cost, then for him, it was a hundred bucks. And then to cheer her on, he was the people pleaser. It wasn't her who kept doing it over and over. People will say, well, she was trying to make him happy. No, this whole thing was about her, right? And it's about that limitation. And so going into this idea, this personal agency that Mark puts in this article, developing personal agent, the self-authorship, so that you are authoring your own story. What works for me? And so that father may say to me, I was not being a people pleaser because it works for me to just keep paying the money. And if I keep paying the money, it works for me. But what he's missing is, are you teaching resiliency? Are you teaching? What are you teaching? Because the job of a parent is to teach. And that so, was being lost in there. Okay, so what do the two of you think about my my interpretation of him being the people pleaser and the child sitting there, again, being applauded after failing five times? He is actually truly the people pleaser because he is giving, creating the expectation that she is going to pass. He's going to continue to support her until she passes without actually developing any skills in her where she he should have said well let's go back and study those signs because that's the area where you're struggling so let's learn them and learn them so well that when you come back in here you're going to ace this 
Rebecca? It just seems like nowadays parents give in to the children. Okay, and so the parents have become the people pleaser. Yeah, because so, they want to be friends with the children. And so then one of the things that, again, that what this guy says in here is the word no. I have a limit. And that parent did not teach in that moment any limits. And therefore, that's where the people pleasing comes in. When we actually have the have the, the courage, the audacity, the nerve to look at somebody and say, no, you crossed a line. No, that is inappropriate. No, you need to go study the science. Because, because quite frankly, folks, I, the idea of this young lady now driving, and it took her five times to get the signs. Most people get confused on the language, right? Because of the double negatives and because of all the, the way that the questions are worded to try to trick what they're actually asking. That's where people... She said, yeah, I failed the signs again. Those were the first words I heard that young lady say. And then all she did is back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And she'd fly through the test and she'd fly through the test and then come back out and fail. And again, there was nobody saying no. It was just, I want to please you. Go again. Next thing that Mark brings up here is building resilience. Self-authorship, right, is about having the resilience and the determination to say no. Is that also where it comes into understanding yourself to the point where you can say no absolutely yeah you actually have to take the time to understand yourself and reflect absolutely which i think a lot of people don't do because they they go back to as soon as as soon as they start thinking about did this work for me then they go back to no oh shoot i may lose these friends oh i okay i'm not gonna go there yeah. Who will I hang out with? I've got nobody to hang out with. What will I do? I've got nobody. And so since I have nothing and I have nobody, I'm going to sit there and I start and then I go, no, I can't. I'm going to be what they want me to be so that I fit in. Absolutely. Because being authentic can be very lonely at times. Oh, Oh, you know what? I live it. I live it. Um, the authenticity of my life and the fact that I will look at the people around me, people I've known for a long time, and my knowledge has grown, right? Like decade after decade going to school. Three degrees, two trades. I trucked all over North America. I've done a lot of stuff, and I have truly continuously grown. Who people think I am today and who I was, there's traits of me that are the same. The difference is, is again, who they think I am versus who I am. And so when I say no, well, they, well you just, you've always been an obstinate shit. And it's like, well, but are you asking me why? I'm not saying no to be a dick. I'm saying no because I actually have a reason. You, can, you now know yourself and you know what your needs are and what your beliefs are. And that scares the hell out of people. Go ahead, Rebecca. Sorry. Because they don't know themselves, and it makes them nervous that somebody can actually know themselves that well. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it's not even about how well they know themselves, how well I know myself. The fact that I actually know myself 
enough to say no. Mm-hmm. And you don't try to be like them and fit in with them. Did you guys write for you? And so um, self-reflection, right, is another key point that this article brings up. Questioning assumptions, embracing personal responsibility, and seeking a diverse experience. And is that not what we're trying to do here in in what we're trying to do with these roundtables? Is we're trying to bring the diverse experience of Rebecca, where she comes, the diverse experience from where Sherry comes from and where I come from, and, and sitting there going, can we actually look at this from a number of points of view? Mm-hmm. Because you bring different things. And I, I'm just thinking, I was following along as you were describing the different components and I kept going in my head back to thinking outside the box that piece about don't make assumptions Mm -hmm. or questioning the assumptions Mm -hmm. and for me that is let's think outside the box Mm -hmm. because society puts us in a box sometimes or people around us when we're trying to people please we get ourselves into a box Rebecca I just keep thinking about how that that father was setting himself up for a lifetime of being a people pleaser because now it's an expectation. But he's also setting himself up for a lifetime of of a child who, who believes that all problems are solved with a piece of plastic. Yes. They're not solved by actually studying. They're not solved by actually hard work. They're not solved by anything other than a piece of plastic. Mm-hmm. And the Ontario government has allowed that to happen and so we will just write and write and write and write and write. Yeah, it's like banging your head against a brick wall until you knock the bricks down, as opposed to learning how to work around it and develop and grow and climb over it. I think one of the most beautiful moments for me, anyhow, in reading through this article, and, and again, thinking about where and how this came about, is build a supportive network. Surround yourself with mentors and friends who encourage your autonomy and personal growth rather than dependency. Mm-hmm. Think of how many times people say, oh, no, 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 that's your chair at the table, right? Thanks, Thanksgiving. That's what I, Think of how many times people try to put labels, this is where you sit, This is where this person sits. This is where this is. This is... People sit there and they do not want you to grow to have a view. They don't want you to try things in different ways so you get that other perspective. And they don't want autonomy. Independence of thought. Independence of action. Autonomy. Independence. What What they want, what they are striving for, is to encourage you to tow the company line with no autonomy. No independence of thought, right? I know from myself, past relationships, whether they be intimate relationships or otherwise, there has been a real struggle for me to have my autonomy, my independence, my ridiculousness of being who I am, the complexities of who I am. Right? It's always been trying to be curtailed and pigeonholed and, and shoved and, and forced into a box where, again, I'm a pretty diverse human being. And so, therefore, trying to make me fit something that makes them comfortable is why the relationships ended. Because 
I wasn't going to be a people pleaser. Oh, folks, Miss Rebecca there. You look like you just went down a great big huge pathway. What's going through your head about this article? And more specifically about surround yourself with mentors and friends who encourage your autonomy and personal growth rather than dependency. You got to find them. Have you found them? I have. Oh, oh, well, what do you mean you have to find them? Because the first thing you have to do before you find them is you have to acknowledge that you need to find them. Yes. And that means your friend circle, your support network is possibly going to change. Yes, and that can be very scary. Oh, it is. And lonely. Ugh. It is. I have a young man who is uh, soon embarking on, on leaving Southwestern Ontario to go to school out of province. And it is such a beautiful thing to see because one of the things that his life has been, no autonomy, no independence of thought, no independence of all kinds of things. What's happened is this dependence and this, this dependence to follow the preconceived ideas right and so when we sit and we think about you know going off when i was in my late teens early 20s the idea of leaving oh my good god that was the biggest thing i wanted to do get the heck away from where i was but i also always want to be able to return home which again was kind of one of these funny ridiculous things because that isn't where i want to be but the notion of support coming from outside Again, going back to mentors, friends who encourage your autonomy and personal growth. So autonomy and personal growth. And I remember when I owned a security company, uh, electronic security, and we, we did all kinds, of, we did some really cool stuff. But when that business was in some financial challenges, when it was in some interpersonal challenges, I remember sitting talking to a lady who's now passed away, and I had stopped by. She had some questions about the alarm. She had some questions about some of the stuff. She invited me for a coffee. I was sitting there, and we got talking about some of the challenges that she saw within the business. Very much a business-minded woman, owned businesses with her with her uh, husband, and and had a lot of really cool things going on. And so she was aware, pointed them out. And then I remember looking at me and I remember feeling like I was being thrown to the wolves. But she said, all right, coffee's done. Now it's time for you to get out there and fix your world. That was scary. Because I remember that moment. And that, that moment was the planting of a huge seed in me that changed the direction of that business, the business relationships. It changed all kinds of things. Because that person planted that seed about personal growth, having the independence, the autonomy to go out there and do something. And to change. Mm, absolutely. And I think taking ownership of what you, you're doing, what decisions you're making. I had no choice. She told me. That was the beautiful part. She told me. She told you, but you choose chose to do it or not do it. Absolutely. Well, I could have stayed. I could still be sitting in her kitchen having coffee, you know, 30 years later. But um, I opted to, to be polite. And when I, was, when I was told, and she was very, very blunt and simple when she said it. Now it's time. Coffee is done. Time for you to go out there and change your world. Mm -hmm. 
You know where the problems are. Go out there and change it. I can't wait to see what happens. And you got to choose how you solve those problems. Well, not always, because the interplay coming back, because when I said, no, I've, I'm, I'm done with this, I'm done with that, I, I, whatever, um, you know, there's a lot of pushback. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people toss your side. And that was the, believe it or not, that was the first ending of my first marriage, because it ended a couple times. So that was the first ending of my marriage, because, again, the pushback was that no, right? It was about you don't actually have independence what you do is you suck it up and you are a people pleaser to to box. ensure that everyone else is happy. Wow. Sounds exhausting. Which? People pleasing. Make sure that everybody else is happy because your cup never gets full. You too busy filling everybody else's cup. So so simple and so accurate. Yeah. Well. And when you think back to your life, you think back to, to Sherry's life. And, and again, this isn't a therapy session for for us. This isn't this is us, you know, the, the two of them having an article and then the two of them in natural conversation taking their ideas and us discussing them. And you know, what direction do we end up? And what do we internalize and take away from these ideas, some of them are really simple. Being a people pleaser, people throw these terms out there all the time, folks. And when they throw them out there, they don't really care. They just, oh, you're a people pleaser. But you should care. Yeah. I always thought people pleasing was a good thing until I really thought through this article because it reminded me that when I've been people pleasing, I've lost myself. I haven't been making everybody happy because I don't think this is just coming to me now I don't think other people are necessarily happy watching you when you do something that doesn't make you happy because then you're you're not radiating that when when you go out there and you start to have autonomy and you say no or you point out a limitation that generally is going to be you know, met with some resistance and met with some hostility. Because who wants to have a limit? Who wants something to be put at them where there is truly a limit? Not very many people. So when you sit there and you do, and you go, oh my word, here's the limit, right? Because I'm not going to be dependent on you for, for you to make me happy. So... If you tell me you're proud of me, but I feel disgusted inside, I'm going to be true to the disgusted feeling versus me sitting there going, hey, this person's really happy with me. And that's not the way it should be. It should always be. You have to feel proud of yourself. You have to feel good about it. We got a funny story about a cop. Years ago, I was uh, coming back actually from a workshop put on by the Ontario Provincial Police on male victims of sexual abuse. And one of the people who was talking was actually sitting there, you know, talking about their story and talking about all this stuff. And one of the things that happened was that this person was sitting there uh, telling these stories, and it was a beautiful workshop. And this person had uh, grown up in residential schools. And one of the interesting things was that 
in sitting there listening to all this stuff, right, we, we were talking about, you know, again, people pleasing. Because, you know, this person wanted to, you know, be, be liked by the people who ran the, the residential school. And it created this horrible situation for him. And it's funny, so I'm coming through New Hamburg, which is fairly close to, to Stratford. I'm getting a speeding ticket. And uh, the cop pulls me over and he says, where are you coming from? And I told him, I said, you wouldn't believe me. And he said, well, give me a try. And I said, actually, an OPP workshop on the victims of... Uh, and so we, we sat there and we chatted back and forth for quite a while, like 15, 20 minutes, about this conference, about these victims, about some of the cops who were there presenting about what their life had been like as victims of sexual abuse and what led them into being police. And we had this, this beautiful back and forth. And then he said, well, I still have to give you your ticket because, and again, this, this beautiful thing, he said, I treat every single person the exact same way when it comes to tickets. I do not budge by one, one kilometer ever. No people pleasing. He said, it's a way I don't have to think. So he said, if I was going to not give somebody a ticket, it'd be you. But you're getting your ticket because everybody's the same. No people pleasing. He keeps his boundaries. Absolutely. And uh, and he's you know looking for people who encourages his, his independency, his personal growth, and his, his autonomy. So anyhow, so Miss Rebecca, what do you think? Um, should we start to round this up? What, what's, what's your thoughts about this? I think so. It's you, been an eye-opening having this chat. I've been doing a lot of inner reflection about myself and my own personal journey. And I hope that everybody at home can do the same. And I found that the thoughts that I had when I first read through have changed a little bit in our conversation. I've learned things, and I'm willing to say I have grown from our conversation today. All right. Well, thank you very much uh, for that. And again, really appreciate the two of you sharing these thoughts and ideas. Again, thank you very much for tuning in to Black Sheep Rebranded, folks. It's your host, Rick Sherwood here. And hopefully you guys have enjoyed the round two of the roundtable uh, for our Friday afternoon wrap-up of the week. And uh, we'll see what next week's going to be. Maybe I'll see if one of them can find an article, throw it out. Let's see where this goes. Everybody be safe over the weekend. Have yourself an absolutely fabulous time. And again, thank you. And this is not a substitute for mental health. This is intended to get you to start to think about things in a different way. And if it inspires you to reflect and you have some ideas you need to get off your chest, don't be embarrassed. Get out there. Reach out. Talk to somebody. And if you're not sure who, reach out to us. And we will either help you out ourselves, put you in contact with somebody who can. Again, everyone be safe. Have a lovely weekend out there, folks. And the Toronto Boat Show is wrapping up this weekend. So if you're looking for something to do, there is no better life than being on the water with a boat. I speak from personal experience. Take care. <laughs>